my headphones sound really weird to me. Not sure why that is. I switched out from the ones I used last week. I should probably switch back. <laughs> this is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD, also on the FM at 99.9 HD2. And, of course, all across the globe on the World Wide Web at WFMD.com. You click on the Listen Live thing if you're catching it live. And if you missed it live or you want to catch previous episodes, go to the Faith Debate page and you can access the uh, most recent uh, podcasts most easily that way. And if you uh, want to find the older uh, episodes more quickly, go to the Audio Vault section of the website. Uh, and of course, uh, if you want to find out more about me and the gang that's part of this show now, uh, go to uh, my church's website. My name, by the way, is Troy Skinner. I'm the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ, and our website is householdoffaithinchrist.com. And I'm joined this week by the Razvis, Imran and Daniel, and we're going to be focusing on something this week that is really an area of of specialty uh, for the Razvis. We're talking about parenting issues and marriage issues, and I think this first uh, first we're going to focus more on on marriage kinds of things. But before I, I, I uh, get into all that, I've, I've been meaning, meaning to do this the last couple of weeks, and I keep forgetting, so I'm going to do it right now before I forget. Uh, i got to give a couple of shout-outs to people that gave us shout-outs. Uh, some people have gone out of their way to let the management here know they appreciate what we do on the air, and that is so much appreciated and greatly valued. Thank you so much. So a particular, uh, a rather noteworthy note from a gentleman named Derek, uh, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. Um, not only did you take the time to write, but it was very uh, artfully written. Uh, I can tell uh, by what you wrote that you're a gentleman, and I, I appreciate that. I'm not sure why you're listening to this show if you're a gentleman, but uh, we thank, it, <laughs> thank you nonetheless. And uh, Cindy and Ben say that they listen uh, together every week, and they're, uh, they have great gratitude for what we are able to teach them on this show. I'm not sure. They must have us confused with the mother show if they think they're learning something. But anyway, seriously, it is, it's always an encouragement um, for us to, to hear that there's somebody listening. I usually joke if somebody says they're listening. I, say, I knew there was one. I knew it. I knew there was one. Now I know who the one is. Obviously, it's more than one. Uh, and I have, don't have access to seeing these numbers anymore. But once upon a time when I had access to seeing how the ratings would do, uh, our time slot actually, has, the faith debate time slot, has always done very well. Uh, it wasn't unusual for this show to be the highest rated show on Sundays on the radio station. I'm not sure if that's the case now or not. But there was a time when that was true. Uh, actually, there was a time when uh, the faith debate was the highest rated program on the entire weekend on the radio station. Wow. And there were only three shows on the entire radio station Monday through Sunday. Uh, that actually had better ratings than this show did. So it's it's made its dent here and there over the years. Um, I'm not sure who's listening now. Uh, you know, times have changed and the need for information and stuff has changed. Whether we're more or less relevant than we used to be, I, I can't say. But in, the, in this new age of uh, controversy and uh, anger and uh, and so forth, it is even more important for those that do appreciate this type of uh, talk that they should reach out and let the radio station know that they appreciate it because we're under attack from all different areas. And to be able to share the truth, yeah, that's, that's important. So if you do find this uh, you know, appealing to you and uh, meeting your needs, then it would be nice to spread the word and also share, share it with the radio station so they continue to let us uh, talk so they don't shut us out. Yeah, and I don't want to give the impression that we're under pressure from the station management or anything like that. I, you know, they haven't said, "Hey, you know, uh, watch what you say; you're going to be off the air." But given the climate of the times, it wouldn't take much, maybe, for them to feel like, you know, it's a, it's a half hour on Sunday. How important is it really? It's not worth the grief. We have all these people that don't want to be hearing the hearing that. Uh, what I, what I think is the truth. <laughs> what I'm strongly persuaded is the truth. Um, it, 
but they got to make money. They've got to yep. satisfy their 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 listen their overall listeners and their 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 clients. So, so they would love to hear from you. Yes. So if you're a fan of this show, if you're the one, I know there's another one. If you're that other one that's a fan of the show, uh, reach out to the radio station. Let them know you appreciate what we're doing. And I will say this: um, if there's something specific as far as a topic, you know, a particular biblical question or a cultural question, you'd like to get a a a, a, a kind of a faith based answer on, let me know. What the uh, what the topic or question is, and we'll work it into our our uh, into our show at some point down the road. Yes, we really appreciate your feedback. So, any topics, any questions you have, and if you're just looking for a, you know just biblical answers, and or or you're dissatisfied with what you're finding out there, reach out to us. Uh, we're not going to twist your arm, but we're going to tell you what the Bible says and give you you know a, a good straight answer. Now, that's the voice of Imran Razvi, by the way. You haven't heard Daniel's yet, but the next voice you probably will hear will be Daniel's. So you'll know which voice goes with which name. Hello. <laughs> so, well, we went, uh, let's get back on topic for the okay. show today. So, um, the Razvis have a, a ministry that started, I don't know, 20 years ago, probably. It's been a while. Um, uh, Conquered by Love Ministries. They have a website, conqueredbylove.org. You can check it out. And if you right. go to their website, they have a section where there's resources, and you can find a whole bunch of books. And there's, I don't know, several dozen books in there. And I went through and looked at them, and I realized that, you know, they're all different, and they got their slightly different slant and stuff, but you could sort of categorize a handful. Like, there were three or four books that were mostly focusing on this, and three or four books that were mostly focusing on that. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to maybe tackle some of these things uh, on the show, um, partly because, if you haven't noticed, the world's gotten kind of crazy the last couple of years, and there's a lot of stress. A lot of stress in households, a lot of stress on relationship, a lot of, a lot of uh, children have a lot of needs that they maybe didn't have three or four years ago, and a lot of uh, husbands and wives that are having a hard time. And we also have a culture that's undercutting what it really means to be family, what it really means to be a husband and a wife, what marriage really means. And so I thought it'd be good to, to provide the underpinnings while at the same time providing some good pastoral kind of counseling support for people who might have some questions. So the first thing on the list here, you have a handful of books that are about marriage relationships. Uh, you might have more than this, but the ones I saw, one's called Heart Transplant, The Prerequisite for a Healthy Marriage. Uh, is Your Marriage Hitting Bad Cell Areas? And then I guess some of the books have workbooks, and this is one of them, a workbook uh, that goes along with the Is Your Marriage Hitting Bad Cell Areas? So why don't we start with uh, the prerequisite for a healthy marriage? Well, the prerequisite is that uh, you do have to have a different heart. Okay, if you're getting married because of you, what you think is love, it may just be lust. I mean, we model things after what God does. What does God do for us? He loved us while yet we were sinners, right? He chose to love us. We so, weren't lovable, but he chose to love us. So let's back up for a minute. If you're saved, then a prerequisite to, to get married should be to be saved and have the other spouse be saved. Um, it, it, if you are, get saved after you're married, then that's, that's a little bit different. But, but if you're already saved, then it's, it's really important. The Bible teaches us don't be unequally yoked. So you should be both saved if you're going to be in a healthy uh, marriage. And for the uninitiated, saved would be a shorthand Christian speak for those who follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They recognize they're a sinner in, 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 in need of eternal rescue. Um, 
I don't want to presume in today's secular culture that uh, somebody who's never been to a church doesn't really understand about religion. Like, save, save from what? <laughs> save from your sin. Save from yes, the consequences absolutely. of your sin. Uh, <laughs> God is love, but in his in his love, he also has a righteous indignation and a wrath directed at sin, and you need to be saved from that. So, yeah. So as Daniel said, there's two two aspects here. One is if you are not yet married and you're saved, meaning you're a follower of Jesus Christ, knowing that He died for your sins, and that is the only way you're getting to heaven. Then you should also be looking for a spouse that is equally yoked, that has the same heart. Um, otherwise, you're already starting off with a problem that's waiting to happen. But let's say you're already married, and you realize that you had a, uh, a problem with sin, and uh, you realize that Jesus is the only answer, and you gave your life to him, and you're saved, but your spouse is not. Then what do you do? Um, well, you still choose to love your spouse. Is your spouse lovable? Probably not. They're a sinner. <laughs> They're probably going to be a problem. And But this says God chose to love us while yet we were sinners. We need to choose to love our spouse. All these people say, well, I don't love my spouse anymore. I fell in love and I fell out of love. Well, that's not really an accurate representation of what love is. Love is a, a, a choice that you desire and you choose to do something. And so it sounds like you're already beginning to touch on some of the bad cell area things a little bit too. And, and, and that's probably where we should spend a lot of our time, particularly given who is probably the most likely listener to a radio station in a show like this. They're probably already of an age where they're married and uh, probably not a lot of teenagers and 20-somethings maybe listening to this show right now. But in, in case... Mm-hmm. Or let's say their parents or grandparents, they want to give good advice to the younger generations about what to look for in a spouse and what boxes to check, you know, kind of thing. What are some of the really boilerplate kinds of prerequisites for identifying who a good uh, mate would be? Well, I would say the first thing was, would be whether they love God and want to give their life to God. And uh, they know that that's the only way to be uh, saved from the sin and the, and the punishment of death. That's a prerequisite. How important is it for there to be some sort of a, like a psychological match where their temperament is similar or complementary or they have right, uh, similar attitudes about how to spend or save money, you know, those sorts of practical kinds of things? Are those not that important in your view? They, they can be important. It depends on probably what level of importance you assign to them, uh, especially things to do with money and so on. Yes, you want to make sure that people can be wise with money, but that's... If, if certain things that are not biblical things are really, really important to you, then maybe they should be less important. Um, maybe the, 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 the Bible and, and the, the other person's salvation and their theology and, and what they believe spiritually about things, that should really be the, the most important. And there's practical things, right? If you're uh, getting, getting married or you, and they, you live in different states, you know, which state are you going to live in? You know, there, there's practical things, obviously, but be, the most important is spiritual. Yeah, but most people look to change their spouse, right? That my spouse is not good enough here or does not do this or does not do that. And if only my spouse did this, then it would be better. Well, I think the first place you need to change is yourself. Uh, you need to worship God together. Take the time to worship God together. Take time and spend time in prayer and worship. And if your spouse is not worshiping God with you, okay, still take time and worship and pray yourself. And then be long-suffering. God is long-suffering. Model what God does for us. Be long-suffering. Because if you're immediately going to, well, what can your spouse change first? Then you're not long-suffering. You have to be long-suffering. Or a lot of you may be listening to this. You may have a really long list of, you know, I do, if, if, if you're a guy, look, all these things I do for her, and she doesn't ever do, you know, X, Y, Z. I, I do this and this and this and this. 
you know. And everybody listening, you know, if, if we're human nature. We probably have a list of you can think in any relationship. You can probably think of all the things you did for this other person that they didn't, they weren't grateful enough, or they didn't reciprocate. You got to forget all of that because you have to start with the premise that they're a sinner and they're always going to fail your expectations. So don't start with uh, those, uh, you know, expectations. Have um, the a servant mind of look, I'm committing to serve this person. I'm not expecting anything in return. My, I'm choosing to love and serve this person for the rest of my life. In a marriage, that's what you're doing. And um, so you have to be long-suffering, and you have to speak good about your spouse. You cannot change your spouse. The Holy Spirit can change your spouse. But what you can do is work on yourself. And the more you work on yourself, the more likely your spouse may change because they'll see the difference. I'll give you a good story. My wife... Um, when she was very young, uh, her mother used to take her to the church every Sunday, and her father did not go. He, Sunday was a day of rest, and he was going to just stay in bed and rest and relax and do all that. But So the mother and uh, couple, two daughters went to church. And one day the pastor said, you know, I see a lot of women in here and not a lot of men. So all those women in here that don't have their husbands with them, I don't want you to come to church next week. And everybody's like, huh? what? And he said, I want you to go home. And next Sunday, cook your husband the best breakfast you possibly can that you can just love your husband, take care of your husband, and he should be your focus, not coming to church. And so my wife's uh, mother said, okay, I'll do that. And so next Sunday, comes along, and uh, she gets up, makes a great big breakfast, and just you know, gets everything ready and, uh, for her husband. And her husband wakes up and says, aren't you going to church? She said, no. I said, why not? Said, the pastor said, I shouldn't come to church. I should take care of you. And his ears immediately perked up, and he said, what kind of pastor is that saying not to come to church? <laughs> he said, well, my first most important duty is to you as a wife, and I need to love you and take care of you. So that's what I'm doing. So immediately he got up, and they went to church. <laughs> so, and, and he got more involved, and he realized, hey, there's more to this thing. If you lo- choose to love somebody, things can change. So that's where a reverse psychology, I guess, paid off, right? Yeah, but it wasn't really reverse <laughs> psychology. It was actually loving that person, not just trying to pastor the person to go to church. You know, honey, aren't you going to go to church with us? Aren't you going to go to church with us? Now it was like, no, my focus is you. You know, that's my focus. And same with in marriage. Your focus should be your spouse. After God, of course, but your spouse. And if your focus is your spouse, regardless of what they do, things will change because they, they just do tend to be that way and the Holy Spirit will work on, on your spouse's heart and hopefully it'll go that direction. Even if it doesn't, even if you still have to be long-suffering. It may take a long time. It may take years. But you know what? We have a very short time here in eternity. If you think about it, the time on earth is a blip in eternity. So whatever time it is, if you're appointed to suffer, then suffer. But suffer willingly and praising and glorifying God throughout it all. It is all for the glory of God. What are some of the most common uh, bad cell areas that you've run into when, you, when, you're, when you're out on the speaking tours? I know you talk about the materials in your books, and you've, you've obviously your pastors, yeah. and so you're counseling people. What are some of the most common well, bad stories? One, one of the big things that people don't seem to realize is no matter where you came from and where your uh, spouse comes from, you're from different cultures. And the different cultures are going to clash. And there are things that may uh, come up that you didn't even think to bring up before you got married and, and you don't even see why it's a big deal now, but because you were brought up a little differently, you are in a different culture. You don't have to be, you know, my, my parents are actually from born on opposite sides of the world. So they have v- had vastly different cultures to begin with. Um, but that, and, and there's, there's probably some, uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of stories Lots there, of but, funny stories. Yes. But if you recognize that you're, you, you have a different culture and different upbringing 
and the way that your spouse does it is not wrong. It's just different from your way. You know, unless there's actually a biblical thing you can bring up, say, hey, no, actually the Bible says this, so we have to do it that way. But mo- most or, or at least many differences culturally are not wrong. It's just, oh, that's, that's a different way of doing things. And our instinct is, oh, well, that's not the way I was brought up. Well, th- okay, it's true, but that doesn't mean it's, it's a bad thing. And so it you can be as simple that. as washing dishes. It could be simple as, you know, how you use the toothpaste tube. Okay? Mm-hmm. All these things are different, and you have expectations because you expect certain people, everybody to behave a certain way, the way you behave. But they don't. They behave differently. And so ex- your expectations are not met. So there's a, there's a, um, a work, uh, the workbook we do with a, with a lot of people that we, uh, we counsel in, in marriage, and it's called the uh, expectations uh, exercise. So, Troy, just picture this. Make a list of all the things you expect from your wife. And then make a second list of all the things you think your spouse expects from you. Okay, and then you can prioritize them, saying, "Okay, these expectations are biblical, and these are not, and uh, you know, be able to prove it." But it's not even that necessary. It's more of just expectations. What do you expect, and what do you think your spouse expects from you? And you'll find out that a lot of things that you thought your spouse expected from you, they don't. They don't even think about that, and you're putting so much weight on that that they really expect this, and you're, you're you know, breaking your back trying to take care of this, and they don't even recognize it, and they don't, they don't even appreciate it, and. It, starts festering in you and making you angry and bitter and that's not your intention uh, the intention of your spouse they didn't even recognize that you were trying to do something for them a real quick example with was with uh, my wife and i for years i would go into the bathroom and she brushes her teeth she brushes her teeth crazy like three four times a day every time she eats something she brushes her teeth but she would squeeze the toothpaste right in the middle and just leave it that way and I would come in and roll it up and straighten it out you know make sure all the toothpaste at the top uh, all the time for for years i was doing that and she never once thanked me. You know what? She never even realized I did it. <laughs> so it was an expectation I thought that she, she had of me that I was fixing things for her, and she never even realized I did it. So there's little things like that, and there's many other th- examples, but that expectations exercise really goes a long way. And one of the things is the men will need probably two weeks to come up with all the expectations because we don't keep everything in the front of our brain. Women can probably do this in a matter of 20 minutes, put all the expectations down, and have it all laid out. Because they keep all the boxes open. We close the box and then open another box. And so if you're doing this exercise, I strongly recommend wives, give your husbands you know, a couple weeks to get together and, and take time because it does take time to remember all the things that they expect. And then just be patient. And then take the time to hear and, and compare what the expectations really are. Does that mean that the husbands really aren't as focused on the expectations, or they only worry about the expectations when each box gets popped open? Yeah, when it comes up, then we think about it. Right, right. right? Yeah. So we are still just as worried about it. We just can think about one thing at a time, um, and that's, that's you know, part of yeah. God made us, made us a little different. That's how we're different, and the, and the box opens up when, when there's a prompt, right? If that thing doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen, then that box opens up, and all the junk comes out of that box at the same time. You know, you've never done this. You've... It may, it may not be never, but that's what we think, right? You've never done this. You've always done this. Never and always are really strong words, and we tend to use them way too often. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, college age, and I went and stayed at my grandparents for a while while I was uh, going to school, and um, I never knew this, but I, uh, until then, and she, she didn't say anything until she was just over it, and she was mad, and she yelled at me because apparently her expectation was that after somebody takes a shower... They take, uh, after they're all cleaned and dried off and stuff, they take the towel and then they wipe down the entire interior of the shower. <laughs> well, I never did that growing up, yeah. but 
she just assumed everybody exactly. does that. And the fact that I wasn't doing that and I was her grandson, so clearly I must have been raised the same way she raised her daughter, right? But yeah. her daughter never mentioned that to her son. And she was so mad. I was so disrespectful and so rude. You you're know. doing it on purpose. Yeah. I'm, just to make her mad. Yeah, I'm, st- you know, I'm letting you stay at my house and you're purposely you know, leaving the shower a mess. And I was like, what are you talking about? So... Yeah. So this uh, expectation exercise actually works really well with husbands and wives and also with uh, couples that are about to get married and even with parents and children, you know, with teenagers. Do the exercise with a teenager. You're having trouble, trouble, difficulty talking with them, communicating with them. What does your son or daughter expect a parent to be? What kind of things do they expect from their parent? And what do you think, what does that child uh, think that we expect from them? It makes them think. And it really opens it up. And this isn't necessarily just a uh, once in your whole lifetime thing, yeah. right? Maybe keep revisiting it. You should have a, 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 a could be an annual thing. I was going to say, if do you, it every year, yeah, every other year, every seven years, whatever. Well, but, if you're if you're married or you just married uh, or just about to get married, maybe you do it. And then if, once you have kids, you may want to do it again for sure because sure. expectations have changed yeah, now that there's kids life involved. changes for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. type of things. And, um, it, and it doesn't hurt. This it's basically basic communication. But it lays down the framework for good communication where you're not just accusing somebody. You're saying, what do you think, what are my expectations and what do I think your expectations are? And you're comparing. So it's a great dialogue starter. And one of the things, and, you know, I'm going to word this a little carefully since we're on the radio, but uh, nuptials, uh, sometimes that becomes an issue. And the stereotype is, you know, the the husband wants uh, some uh, physical gratification much more frequently than the than the wife does. It's not always the case, but that's kind of the... Um, I guess that's the kind of thing that you might need to, to re-express your expectations shortly after the, the wedding, right? Because the man might have felt like, oh, I want it this often, and the woman might have thought, oh, I'm fine with it being this often, and then two months into the marriage, it's like, yeah, that's not working. <laughs> maybe right. maybe the man needs it more than he thought he was going to... Needs a strong word. Uh, desires it more often than he originally thought that he would, or or maybe the, the, the script is flipped, and it's maybe the, 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 the wife is more uh, amorous than the, than the husband than, than she was expecting. So you got to... Because I've seen a lot of tension in relationships over that question. Money and sex tend to be two big ones. Yeah, yeah. With, and with, household with, chores is like a, a third, a distant third. In my with with experience. money, with money, there is there is something that's that is important. That this kind of leads into our uh, we have the financial planning uh, side of it as well. But the with with money, what we found that is one of the biggest um, angst in the marriage. And let's face it. It doesn't matter who is listening. You and your spouse think about money differently, and your priority of spending things is different. What's important to you, Troy, to spend things on is different than what your wife wants to spend things on. That doesn't make it wrong. Now, there's, there are different cases. You know, somebody can be just an easy spender and not really think about saving, and somebody else can be a really big saver, but then not enjoy the money that, that God's given you to, to enjoy. So have, have that, try to have that not be a, a cause for... Um, uh, f- f- for argument, you know, set, set boundaries and say, here's, here's what we're going to do. And, and sometimes it, it is helpful to have, okay, here's the, the shared expenses, but then we each have our own, you know, whatever budget. amount of money, a budget, and I'm not going to micromanage what you spend money on and don't micromanage what I spend money on as long as we're within, you know, re- regular, you know, big boundaries. So many times that makes a big difference is that all the shared expenses get paid and then whatever's left and you divide that, you know, 
equally and you spend yours, I spend mine and, and not argue. You might spend something, spend it on something that I would think is a total waste of money. Yeah, your candy bar was $3, really? Yeah. Couldn't you go to Costco and buy a cheaper candy bar? So there's lots you know, of that, that type, The little things, is, it really adds up. And so it's trying to, try to you know, let those be, be less of a... Yeah, the money thing's a big deal. I, um, there's so much more that could be said, should be said, I'm sure, uh, and there's resources, like I said. We're gonna, we've got like a minute left, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw our thoughts here. Next week, we're going to transition, unless there's some things that are pressing that we absolutely must say about marriage next week. We can lead off next week's show with it. Uh, otherwise, we'll transition into the, uh, some, some parenting stuff. Uh, and I would welcome you and encourage you to go check out the resources that they have available at, at their website, uh, conqueredbylove.org is the, the RASB's uh, ministry's website. And uh, my church's website, which will connect to some... Actually, you can find their website through my website, householdofaithinchrist.com. And, of course, you can go to wfmd.com, uh, faith, faith day page there, and, and link to uh, anything that way, too. It's a lot of information. The simplest thing is probably go to householdofaithinchrist.com and find what you're looking for there. Thank you to the Rasbies. I'm Troy Skinner. Thank you for listening. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from now. God bless.